coming from research. It's so funny because I don't think of myself as being an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, it, it's co-founder of this, you know, shoe company. So I guess I am, but. Uh. Coming to you from the studios at Arlington Independent Media, I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to be Curious. Welcome. I have Ralph Waldo Emerson on the brain this week. I don't know that the American essayist, lecturer, philosopher, and poet who led the transcendentalist movement of the mid-19th century is very familiar to school kids anymore, or anyone these days. But growing up as I did for some years near Concord, Massachusetts, he was huge. I loved his essays and his belief that we connected best with ourselves and the world through nature. His writings have woven themselves into our social fabric so thoroughly that I bet there are some expressions that might sound familiar, but that you don't realize are Emerson. So this is a show all about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. And today, I'm returning to that topic that never gets old, new inventions. Emerson wrote, If a man can write a better book, preach a better sermon, or make a better mousetrap than his neighbor, though he build his house in the woods, the world will make a beaten path to his door. You hear that shorthand for that one, build a better mousetrap, when you talk to innovators and entrepreneurs. Everyone would like to build a better mousetrap, let alone have the world beat a path to their door. Emerson, who loved the outdoors and extolled the virtues of nature, although perhaps not of small rodents now that I think about it, also wrote, Do not go where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. I doubt he had the modern entrepreneur in mind, but his point is well taken. Don't be afraid to bust out on your own. People may well follow you. Emerson also wrote, Curiosity is lying in wait for every secret. So somewhere out there are the solutions to the problems with which we struggle, if only we bring curiosity to the task. So I was skimming a paper on curiosity and serendipity in qualitative research out of Lund University in Sweden and came across this statement. The value of serendipitous findings lies in the fact that they diverge from conventionally held knowledge. Thus, we have to retain our curiosity with the strange intoxication or passion that Max Weber wrote about in Science as Vocation. So science as vocation, the serendipity of innovation, that nagging question, how might I build a better mousetrap? Well, enter Dr. Casey Kerrigan. Casey is a Harvard-trained medical doctor who led the University of Virginia's Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation before becoming, as she likes to say, a cobbler. Casey is the one who first discovered a link between high-heeled shoes and knee osteoarthritis back in 1998. And in 2009, she published that traditionally designed running shoes also increase knee joint torques. Since 2011, her company Osh, that's shoe spelled sideways or turned inside out in case you were wondering, has manufactured evidence-based footwear that places less stress on our joints to help reduce knee, hip, and foot pain. 
She was recently awarded a National Science Foundation Phase II Innovation Grant to finish development of the specialized 3D printing technology she uses to manufacture the shoes. Throughout her career, the National Institute of Health has repeatedly honored Casey's work through its highly competitive peer review process with continuous funding for her research. So, no ordinary cobbler. I met Casey through a mutual friend, and I was instantly taken with her can-do spirit. She practically vibrates with what I think of as a signature curiosity query. How might I? So, welcome, Casey. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's great to have you here. This is really fun. So, I have to begin. What does evidence-based footwear consist of? Mm, I guess it's um, footwear that's based in some scientific research. Mm -hmm. And and that's what OSHA is. It, I didn't set out to be a cobbler. It was my <laughs> research that led me to it. And the findings I kept, you know, I was fascinated with, with walking and running and studying it. And then I started to look at the effects of footwear. And it was just, you know, I, I discovered this link, this, oh my gosh, you know, high heel shoes increase this this uh, parameter right. in the knee, which really kind of, yeah, <laughs> and it was oh my gosh, and so really that just led to more and more and more research and like okay, we can make better shoes. I go. So you're just following the data. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you were still a med student when you got interested in yes, gait. I did. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about that. So you know, and I went to medical school. I have to even go back before that. When Before I went to medical school, I've, I've always been curious. Um, you know, my first probably fascination with footwear was when I, I ran track in high school and, and wrote this very long, long letter to Nike to tell them how to <laughs> <laughs> You had opinions about this for a long time. <laughs> I did. I did. And then, but but yeah, I always wanted to be a researcher. I wanted mm -hmm. to. I, I just wanted to figure things out. And my dad was a chemist and uh, brilliant. I, I wanted to be like him. I wanted mm -hmm. to. I wanted to be a, a researcher. But my dad, who's a PhD, he said, you know, and and he struggled because he was working on something that was ultimately not because he wanted to was making a better bomb mm. because that was what. You know, either industry, grants, didn't matter. Right, that's and what there was. That's what it was. And yeah. so he, it was sad. He, he quit. Uh -huh. Moral, he said, I can't, I can't do this. All my, all my discoveries are going to, you know, destroy the world. Right. So he quit, became a mailman. But he said, you know, if you're going to be a scientist, don't be a PhD, be an MD. Uh -huh. Because that way you won't blow up the world. <laughs> Your dad. <laughs> Your dad. <laughs> so anyway, so that's why I, I was going into medical school and yeah. thinking I wanted to do science and and discover and you know sitting in lecture we were learning all about how you know how the heart works mm -hmm. the brain works and it it made a lot of sense and and we had all these things sort of figured out but then looking at like just the physiology of walking and running you would think we'd know as much about that as the heart. But we take it for granted yeah. and don't. And we, yeah. we really did. Interesting. And so it's like, oh, my God, this is this is really fun. We can <laughs> – there's a lot to be discovered here. And you were a runner, of course, right? So so you were paying attention to your gait in, in higher speed motion than most of us probably. Right. But so personally, you were already sort of interested in the dynamics of yeah. that, presumably. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So does the passion – 
does the passion come first? Does the passion feed what you're doing? Is it side by side? Yeah, I think it dovetails. I don't know. Yeah, it's the passion probably feeds it all. Uh huh. The passion, and that's like you know, ever since then, you know, with the 3D printers, it's the passion that's driving all of it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think it drives it. So, so. How is one passionate about 3D printers? Put that together for me. I'm good at analogies, but I'm thinking, I don't know what this connection is. So what is – tell us about okay. the 3D printers because this is something that's unique about your shoes. Right. Yeah. So, okay, so I, all my research pointed to a certain design for our shoes. Right. And it had to be – the sole has to be incredibly springy, not dampening – you know, doesn't dampen or cushion, uh-huh. but is truly springy. And has to be springy in the right way, and it and it, it's this complex structure that I kind of envisioned, but you know how to actually manufacture how to it. Make I, it. Yeah, right. and so I struggled with it. You know, the first several years of Osh, I was making them, but it was it was it was it was tough. Mm-hmm. So I had this idea for this structure. But the only way you could make it was with 3D printing. Hmm. You couldn't make it any other way with molds, in, you know, because it's just too complicated. Right. Okay, I want to, you know, 3D print. But at the time, you know. It was know, relatively new technology. It was. Yeah. And also to print the material that I had now discovered is mm-hmm. like the be all and end all. I had to print a special, you know, rubbery, very soft material that you really can't print with ordinary 3D printing is normally right, it's, usually yeah. it's hard. Yeah, and, it's like yeah. a filament, and yeah. you're sort of like pushing on this filament. So this would kind of you think about it, it's like this soft, rubbery stuff. It'd be like pushing on a rope. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. we had to figure oh, out. Right. So we had to figure out another way to to get it to come out of the nozzle. So did you count on becoming a mechanical engineer? In all <laughs> yeah. <this>? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> so I read somewhere. That you got encouragement from one of your professors, maybe, to kind of dig into this question based on something, a paper you had written about a patient. Am I getting this right? Oh. That there was there was like a, a push from somebody to kind of pursue this I, more I, deeply. Is that right? Um, well, it wasn't so much gate, but just going into my specialty of physical medicine and rehabilitation, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a function. It's we think about it as like a function or performance doctor. Mm. A lot of medicine's broken down into what you know, organ system or you know, organ system or right. orifice. Right. <laughs> but, 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 oh, you can tell no, you no, have no, a doctor no, no, in exactly. the room, <laughs> right? <laughs> but but physical medicine rehab is kind of more about function yeah. and. And yeah, I, I had this patient that was when I was a medical student that was having a stroke right uh, in front of me in the ER wow. in front of his family, and I was as I was taking you know the long you know medical student history and mm-hmm. all this, and mm-hmm. from that you know hour or two that you're in the room, you're just watching this, and it was just it was wow. as a med student, you're you know I, I just I was just you know I was in tears after trying you know presenting it to the I afterwards. Bet. I said, you know, what what can we do for this guy? And right. and he's like, well, you know, there's really not nothing we can do. It was a neurology rotation. There's nothing we can do. You know, we can probably improve his function. We can probably do something. You know, why don't mm. you look at physical medicine and rehabilitation? And Harvard didn't have a program in physical medicine and rehab at the time, so. Oh, so you were breaking new ground yeah, from the beginning. For, so yeah, and oh, this wow. he was a neurologist, uh, Marty Samuels, and he he was just so great. He just he said. No, you know, we don't have this program here, but, you know, there, there are other programs. Go seek them out. 
So what I like about that is that 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 you had somebody who sort of encouraged you in your questions, even when there wasn't infrastructure available to answer them, right? Like right. you were asking questions that n- literally nobody else around you was asking. Yeah. and yeah. But being given license to kind of go, okay, well, you know, I'm about to say run with it, but that just seems too corny. <laughs> so th- then you, you, you did this research mm-hmm. that led to this finding about high-heeled shoes. And then you did this research that said, well, and even the things that everybody thinks are so good for them, the running shoes aren't so good either. Right. At what point did you think, can I build a better mousetrap? Can I build a better shoe? Oh, my gosh. I mean... It was probably in the, let's see, around 2005, 2006, mm-hmm. I was starting to think, oh, my gosh, I think this is how to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but again, it was just, it was how, it was the materials and right. how I was actually going to do it was difficult. For a while, I was working with mechanical engineers trying to figure out these, you know, this this spring structure inside the sole. And our very first shoes that we made had these big carbon fiber springs in it. Literally springs. Literally springs. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and oh, so, cool. and, and, but then, you know, realizing that there, there's there's a better way. Uh-huh. And to we don't have to have these big old carbon fiber springs in there. But, yeah, so I was thinking about this way back, oh, gosh, yeah, mid, I'd say uh, 2000. And then in 2011, you 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 took the leap, right? Actually, it's 2009. I left. Oh, okay. My position at, at UVA, uh-huh. and then went and built a factory. So it took a little time to build the factory. Now, was where was the factory? It's right in downtown Charlottesville. It's in Charlottesville. So it's, a, it's a mile from the university. So one of the things, and this is getting out of the sequence of things, but one of the things that I have admired as I've kind of learned a little bit more about your story is. That you're obviously driven by this desire to protect people's bodies and their health, but you're also driven by you have it's sort of a values driven business because you're also employing refugees and and you know really intentional about trying to put this business right in your home community. Tell me a little bit about that. Flush that out if you would. <laughs> so, I you know once I I, I decided this is how we're gonna we mm-hmm. we can make shoes. It kind of opened up a whole nother way to make shoes. So, so I've shown that, okay, traditional shoes aren't healthy biomechanically. But then I find out that the manufacturing of traditional shoes is awful. Mm. I mean, it is just And had you known that bad. going in? Not like I did. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, it was, you know, a few trips to China and, oh, my gosh, huh. just toxic and so many components. You think about... Uh, you know, shoe advertisements for like, you know, all these different layers in your sole and then the, you know, all this junk on, uh-huh. you know, on a running shoe. And I had shown independently that each one of these little features um, that have been marketed are actually detrimental, actually, mm. or doing, hmm. you know, aren't good. Mm-hmm. So here I have this idea that, you know, shoe manufacturing can be simplified tremendously, mm-hmm. which will be good for the workers. It'll be good for the environment, uh, you know, greenhouse emissions, everything, right. everything. Right. So I started digging into, yeah, how can we, how how can we make shoes in a in a way that's you know not toxic, right, and simultaneously 
be empowering for women. And that, that's that was kind of just our, our recent design. We've only, I mean, gosh, we just came out with that last year. But I've been thinking about it for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, just gluing things together is probably, in the shoe industry, is probably the most toxic thing because there's, got to paint like two coats of oh, prime. People oh, don't know this, right, right? Right, So like there's two coats of this toxic, well, first before that, a lot of solvents, sanding, mm-hmm. you know, uh, dust, and then, you know, toxic solvents, and then two coats of primer, and then this adhesive. That all of it's usually very toxic because of the sole materials that are used. Uh-huh. And so your materials, and, and what do you use instead of so it's a non yeah so oh well we use it I want to say like it looks like Elmer's glue it smells like Elmer's glue uh-huh. <laughs> it's very non toxic uh-huh. and there's no primers and the reason we can do that is because our sole material is very different because it, it's just a whole different component that mm-hmm. happens to be very sticky so most of the sole materials that have some sort of vinyl in it mm. and vinyl not good because not it'll so never decay right. yeah but right. it also makes it difficult to adhere things to so that's our shoes that we make with the glue but the other one that our new salons uh, and townies are stitched so there's uh, no glue at all and that's where we have the uh, refugees work so to be able to have a non-traditional employment mm-hmm. has been fun mm-hmm. so to employ women who are working at home mm-hmm. with children. So I hear this story and I and I of course you know have a little bias, right? But I'm thinking that this is like a curiosity journey, right? It starts with this sort of how might I, how might I, how might I, how might I oh, I didn't know I needed to know about this. <laughs> you know, off on a tangent to understand yeah. the environmental impact <laughs> of shoe production. You know, how might I off on another direction and using that to sort of guide you did you anticipate this kind of a journey? No. <laughs> no, just like I didn't anticipate making shoes ever. Right. And now, yeah, didn't anticipate this this whole digging in. Oh. Yeah. Do you think of yourself as having curiosity practices, either in the, the shoe context or in life in general? I mean, I'm always curious. Uh-huh. I mean, like, I don't, you know, there's just, you know, I, I am always thinking I don't know if that's, you know, curiosity, but... Um, I think so. I mean, if you're looking around the world and engaged with it and sort of thinking about, I don't know, what's going on with that? That's a kind of curiosity, I think. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. So do you have advice for other would-be innovators and entrepreneurs? It's not a natural trajectory from med school to cobbler. Right. Any, I, any lessons learned? Oh, my gosh. I mean, and that's so funny because, you know, I'm coming from research. Mm-hmm. It's so funny because I don't think of myself as being an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, it, it's co-founder of this, you know, shoe company. So I guess I am. But uh, I don't I don't. But you're a data like nerd that, at heart. Is that what you're yeah, telling me? Yes. <laughs> so what's the research that you're doing now? It's more the 3D printing, uh-huh. you know, lots of, you know, different designs, biomechanics. It's just more, actually, kind of more of the same. Um, so are the people who are wearing your shoes, are they are they data points for you yet? Are yes, they, they are. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. But it, in, in a more fun way because uh-huh. it's outside of the laboratory mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, it's, it's more real, mm-hmm. I should say. Yeah, we have thousands of 
women who've been wearing our shoes for you know a number of years now. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love to see because it's not what the shoe you know looks like, feels like when you first put it on. I want to see the results after a few years. Right. And that's what we, we've been able to see now. Well, I've certainly seen some of the anecdotal stuff. You know, the testimonials right. on the website go yep. on and on and on and yeah, on and yeah. on and on and on. <laughs> Uh, so what are you learning? Does it, it alter yeah, what you're doing? Yeah, yeah, it, it has. It makes it just, you know, keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, because the shoes we're making, it's not like, you know, they're not traditional. Right. Um, they're things that people have always said, you have to have this in a shoe. Mm-hmm. And we say, mm, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the years go by. It's like, well, I think it's working pretty good, you know, so we're going to keep going with this. <laughs> So what's next? So just, you know, more uh, more designs, more material. Now that we've got this 3D printing figured out and our knitting technology, so uh-huh. we've got this knit so we can combine and, and make these shoes completely in Charlottesville. Uh-huh. With the so community. they have this That's springy fun. bottom, and mm-hmm. then they have this stretchy knit, yeah, knit top, which top. is sometimes glued, sometimes right. stitched on. Right. So variations on that. Huh? Yeah. So yeah, we have cool. two different yeah, two different knitting processes. So the one we're using in the US, which is to right, we're stitching the, the uppers onto the soles. Mm-hmm. And then overseas, there's a whole nother knitting technology that we're working with where it basically it knits the entire shoe as a sock. So, oh, yeah, I have knit socks. That is a hard thing to do. Well, it is, it is, it is. I know. It's just so she has a shoe here for <laughs> just visual aids, which you all can't see, but it looks like this little yeah. kind of like a ballet slipper yep. sort of profile. Mm-hmm. And that's all knit. Oh, so that so whole thing that's is all knit one, as a, it, even the inside. Uh, the whole all right, thing. folks, there'll be pictures on the website. <laughs> And then this same, this signature kind of yep. springy sole. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and cool. so this is yeah glued on, but it's all one process. And so this knitting, this knitting technology, just like our other knitting technology, it's it's zero waste. Uh-huh. So you hear about knitting is like it reduces waste, but but here this it's zero uh-huh. because there's no. It's as a sock. There's nothing waste. Usually it's knit flat and then cut uh-huh. and then sewed and then on. Sewn. Yeah. Huh. Well, my grandmothers, the knitters, would be proud of <laughs> If people want to see more or find more, where can they do that? Uh, just go to our website, which is com. You can also just Google Osh, Osh Shoes, and we'll come right. up. O-E-S-H-S-H-O-E, right? <laughs> yeah. Got it. Okay, good. All right. Before I let you go, I have my big jar of 1B analogies. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Okay. Right, Jen. Take a slip. I'll take one. I'll take one for the audience. And we're going to make an analogy to whatever's on here. <laughs> so do you want to go or you want me to go first? You better go first. Okay. <laughs> she's showing me hers and she's like, what? Um, okay. Mine is is playing tag. How is curiosity like playing tag? Um, well, I think both involve a lot of running around. Um, but let's see. Playing tag is... Uh, you you chase someone or something chases you and then you're it. And I feel like curiosity kind of chases us or we chase it. And then we're it, right? We have to do something with it. like, um, And maybe we then tag others so it's like a contagion. Oh, what do you have? Okay, <laughs> give it a shot. Let me hear what you got. Okay, I have cough drops. Oh, how is curiosity mm. like cough mm. drops? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Um, 
a cough drop. Um, well, I don't, I don't, it's not an analogy, um, but, um, you know, I, I don't know how cough drops really even work. <laughs> I don't know, based on your experience, how does it, see, this is the scientist working. She wants to know what's actually going what's on going as opposed to what we think is going on. What do you think is going on with a cough drop? Oh, gosh, what I, I, I don't know. So I'm kind of curious. <laughs> it uh, makes me curious what's going on inside right. well, of a think about drop. it and you let me know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, that, that's a stumper. All right. But it's kinda, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to, yeah. This is going to be one of those. There's a German word for this. Like you think of the answer as you're headed for the stairs. Yep. I don't know what this yep. is. Yep, 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 or, yeah, be, or in the middle okay. of the night. It'll be great. <laughs> um, and uh, audience, yours is bubble bath. <laughs> This is quite a batch we got. Um, let me know. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, hashtag analogy. How is curiosity like bubble bath? Well, Casey, thank you so much for this. Thank you Aww. for coming up from Charlottesville to join me. Um, Welcome. And, and good luck. I'm excited to see what you do next. Aww, thank you so much. You've been listening to WERA 96.7 FM. If you joined us late or want to catch up with this or any of the other great programs here on Radio Arlington, check us out online and on demand, WERA.FM. You can catch all my previous shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, and Facebook, all at Choose to Be Curious, and on my website at ChooseToBeCurious.com. I hope you follow me there and on Twitter at Choose Number Two, Letter B Curious. Don't forget to send us your bubble bath analogy, hashtag analogy. Many thanks to my guest, Dr. Casey Kerrigan. Check out the links to OSH on my website, complete with pictures. Our theme music is thanks to Sean Ballack. And this is Discovery Harbor at, by Cloud Harbor at Blue Dot Sessions. I hope you'll join us again next time. And until then, choose to be curious. Was there anything you wanted to cover that we didn't get to? Anything you wanted to say that we didn't talk about? No. How do you like your shoes you're wearing? I like my shoes. I like my shoes a lot. I'm very happy with my shoes. So full disclosure, Casey has uh, provided me with a pair of these shoes. So I am now part of the data set, and I am going to keep her posted. Choose to be Curious is sponsored in part by realtor Christine Hopkins. Curious about real estate? Christine works with clients from around the world using her time and knowledge to build community. As she likes to say, community engagement has always been my big why. Working in real estate has helped me express that. What makes you part of a community more than living there? For more information, visit facebook.com slash Nova House Hunter.